0: Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second scripture lesson comes from the New Testament book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 to 29. And if you have a brand new green Bible in your possession, I invite you to turn with me. But I'm not going to tell you the page number. (laughs) Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. You have not come to something that can be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that not another word be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear, but you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised Yet once more I will shake, not only the earth, but also the heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A great Persian poet once imagined that God speaks just four words to his people again and again to to uh, throughout the generations those four words are come dance with me you might not like to dance but pretend that you do if if come dance with me is all that god ever says then then who are we and what is the task of us god's people It is to accept the invitation, which is both wonderful and terrifying at the same time. That's how it goes in our first scripture lesson from the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. God appears before young Jeremiah. Come dance with me, God says. Join me and see what we will do together. How does Jeremiah respond? He responds like any young boy invited to dance. Who? Me? His reaction to God's call reminds me of every middle school dance I've ever been to. The boys are all standing with their backs up against one wall. The girls are all standing with their backs up against another. Sooner or later, one courageous young girl walks across the uh, divide, bridges the difference, walks up to a boy and says, come dance with me. How does he respond? Maybe you remember. When I was in seventh grade... If I had an invitation to dance with a girl on the one hand and the opportunity to stand before a firing squad on the other (laughs) I would have tied on my my own blindfold for for being invited to dance is terrifying. That's why most grown-ups don't ever do it. Grown-ups think they can't dance until Tequila tells them otherwise. (laughs) Yet God invites us to dance. Throughout scripture are these bold and beautiful invitations like, Come follow me and become fishers of people. Have faith and move mountains. Pick up your mat and walk, the Savior said. Yet powerful forces keep us from accepting these invitations. One of those powerful forces is doubt. Now, I don't mean the kind of doubt we most talk about in church this morning. When, when we talk about doubt in church, most of the time we, we think about how the preacher might say something like, Jesus walked on water. And the cynic says, well, I doubt it. That sounds impossible. Uh, That's not exactly the kind of doubt that I mean when I say doubt this morning. I'm talking about a more sinister force at work in our world. I'm talking about the kind of doubt which keeps good, well-intentioned people from doing what God calls them to do, which is the kind of doubt that crept into my head when a good friend of mine lost her father. Hearing that news, I immediately felt the nudge to go to the funeral held in Florence, Alabama, which meant that I had four and a half hours for doubt to ring through my head as I drove from here to there. Driving over there, I heard in my my head, this is a big waste of time. Another voice in my head said, uh, they're not even going to notice that you're there. Then I doubt that showing up is even going to make a difference. That's the kind of doubt that I'm talking about, the kind of doubt that keeps us from accepting God's invitation to come and dance for doubt in its most sinister form convinces us that we are not worthy of God's invitation, that it will make no difference. That's how it happened with Jeremiah. God issued an invitation to come and dance, only Jeremiah came out with his self-doubt saying but I am only a boy God I hear your voice he said but you can't mean me for I have two left feet this response must be the most human response out there for again and again in the Bible everyone who is ever called by God to do something special reacts the same way by saying who me just go through the list God calls on Moses. Moses says, I can't speak. Isaiah says, but I am a man of unclean lips living among a people of unclean lips. God says to Esther, come dance with me and save your people. She uh, rightly protests saying, my life already hangs in the balance living in this palace. And you want me to go and talk to the king? There are a million rational reasons not to accept god's invitation just as there are a million rational reasons not to get out on the dance floor at a wedding reception or anything else however the life of faith is not an episode of so you think you can dance this isn't about what you think you can't do This is about what God will do through you should you simply accept the invitation. You can just quiet the doubts in your mind long enough. And I knew that well enough driving to the funeral. When I got there, I could see it in my friend's eyes just how much it meant that I showed up. She and her husband had been hugged by a thousand people and while not a one of them could replace being hugged by her father, I've been to enough funerals to know how much it means when people show up. I've been the pastor at hundreds of funerals and so I've heard them say, I can't believe she drove all the way down here for me. I can't believe they showed up for this. I haven't seen them in forever, and yet they're here. For the mourning family, the day turns into a fog, so later they go through the guest book. They read the names, not because a funeral is a popularity contest, but because no one ever remembers what's said at a funeral. What they want to know is who showed up. That's what brings the comfort. There's power in your presence. God comforts broken-hearted people through us. And everyone who has ever shown up for you, you can guarantee that doubts were running through their mind as they were on the way. Everyone on their way to anything important is doubting themselves, asking, are they even going to notice that I'm there? Who am I that my presence would make a difference? That's what Jeremiah was contending with. But I'm only a boy. Yet God said, do not say I am only a boy, because this isn't about you This is about what I will do through you if you just stop doubting and believe. Then God put out his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth. God also touched the prophet Isaiah's mouth, though it was with a hot coal. And so I imagine that with God's touch, doubts and fears and anxiety just go up in flames, go up in flames long enough for young Jeremiah to hear these words. I will be with you to deliver you. And by my power, I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to to plant. That's what God did through Jeremiah once he accepted the invitation. Can you imagine what God would do through you if your doubts, fears, and anxieties all at once went up in flames? Can you imagine the life you might have and the good you might do if you didn't have to contend with the self-centered fear of looking like a fool out on the dance floor? Our second scripture lesson from the book of Hebrews speaks of all kinds of stuff getting burnt up. The earth shaking so that only what cannot be shaken will remain. For our God is a consuming fire. Maybe you've heard about fire in church before. Preachers talk about fire all the time. There's a church back in Columbia, Tennessee. And in the middle of August, out of the marquee, the sign would say, Sinner, you think it's hot now. That's not the gospel message exactly. For while there is fire in this passage from Hebrews, we must understand exactly what it is that God consumes. For Jeremiah, it was the worry that he wasn't good enough. That's what went up in flames. Doubt, worry, anxiety, self-centered fear. For the prophet Samuel, it was the trauma left from being a boy at the temple left there by his mother and the lingering worry that he wasn't worth hanging on to. For Esther, it was the fear of being rejected by a powerful king. For me, it's the doubt that my presence will even make a difference. For all of us, it is the fear of looking like a fool out on the dance floor. Yet remember with me what God does through people once their doubts become fuel for the fire and they can accept the invitation. A member of our church told me about it. A member of our church told me last week how he took his wife to Longhorn Steakhouse. Leaving the restaurant, she left her wallet in the booth where they were sitting. Of course, they didn't realize her wallet was missing until they got home. Then he called the restaurant. They couldn't find the wallet, not able to give up the search. The next day, he stopped by the restaurant just to check again. This time, a server named Ashley, who was not usually the hostess but was working a double shift at the front desk, went to check with the manager. The manager had the wallet. And Ashley brought it back to the man. She, so relieved to have the wallet back in his possession, this man gave Ashley a tip. And that's when she started crying. This church member of ours, now really paying attention, stayed and he listened. Ashley suffers from MS. She'd just gotten out of the hospital and had missed a full week of work. Hearing that, the man gave her all the cash in his wallet. Ashley asked him why he was doing that, and he told her that as a Christian, he always tries to be ready to help his neighbor. Then Ashley cried some more. The next day, the man told a men's group the story. Every one of them cleaned out their wallets, and Ashley ended up with about $400. Now, that's a good tip. But I tell you this story just to say that God is always calling. Are you ready to dance? I hope so. Back in Tennessee, we lived in a small city called Columbia. Everyone outside Columbia thought Columbia was small, but that's because they didn't know how small the towns outside Columbia are. Outside Columbia, Tennessee, is a small town called Cullioka. Cullioka had a unit school, which means all grades, kindergarten through 12th grade, are in the same building. And many years ago, a man named Jim Jones went to school there. This was back in the 1950s, and Jim grew up thinking that everyone who lived in Columbia must be rich because everyone at Columbia Central High School wore shoes. Well, Jim made the Cullioka football team, and before they played Columbia Central High School, there was a dance for all the players and the students. The football team coach told Jim and all his friends on the Cullioka football team to take a, a bath before the dance, to put on their church clothes, to borrow their father's shoes if they didn't have any, and should any girl ask them to dance, they were to say Yes. Now, there may be days when you feel like a small-town kid with no shoes and a bad accent at a middle school or high school dance. But pay more attention to God's invitation than the doubts in your mind. God stands ready to change you and me and this entire world, but we are going to have to accept his invitation to dance. If we're going to change this world for the better, we're going to have to do more than sit watching it burn on the evening news. So this week, instead of waiting for someone else to do something, or wishing that God would choose someone else, when you hear that still, small voice, the the whisper of the neighbor or the ring of the cell phone, and you see the name of the person you can't stand, come up on the caller ID, know that God may be saying through them, come dance with me and see what I will do. Don't ignore it. Let your self-conscious fear go up in flames. For while we might look or sound like fools in the process, by accepting the invitation to come and dance, we will be a part of the good that our God is doing in the world. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.